Live from Red Bull Studios, New York. Hey, this is Mary H.K. Choi, and you're listening to Hey Cool Job. My next guest is a fascinating, intrepid person. His name is Daniel Arnold, and he is a paparazzo. He shot behind the scenes at the Met Ball, the Republican National Convention, the Democratic National Convention, and Pope Francis's visit to New York. He's also one of my favorite street photographers and favorite followers on Instagram. I'm in love with my life. So, um, are you super offended that I called you a paparazzo just now? Uh, I don't know if I'd go so far as offended, but it uh, it struck a chord. Oh, really? What particular chord did it strike? I just haven't heard that uh, that thrown around so casually before. Cavalierly. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Well, I sort of mean it in like a Ron Galella in his heyday sort hey, of I'm way. I'm not saying I didn't like it. Okay. So, how do you explain your job to people who ask you? Ooh, well... I, I'm very pleased not to have to that often anymore because it's not... Uh... Are there context clues, like you're holding a camera and taking their <laughs> yeah, yeah, just kind That's of... That's an excellent point. <laughs> yeah, just nod at the camera and keep going. Uh, uh... Yeah, you're very voicey for a photographer. And oftentimes when you're accredited, it's very like, Daniel Arnold goes to meow, meow, meow. Or like, yeah. we sent... Daniel right. Arnold to Meow Meow Meow. We turned him loose. Yeah, tur- turned him loose, yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to a little bit about where it started in terms of your origin story of like... I became the Taz of photography. <laughs> Taz as in like... The Tasmanian devil. I thought you meant like Taz Arnold. I was really confused. Oh. Like a, a Kanye crony. Um, so I don't know about him. Do, I guess like, talk to me about writing because I know your origin story a bit. Other people may not. Okay. Uh, I spent 10 years being a writer of mostly bullshit mm-hmm. um, as most writers are for yes, a long time yes yeah. uh i had kind of placeholder corporate day jobs at mtv and nickelodeon doing uh online content essentially yes uh, we are 10 years at fifteen fifteen broadway did not overlap i believe oh we were there at the same time oh, we really? just somehow didn't know each other i think it was just because like we had to be in a different elevator bank to like yeah. find each no, other we were on floors. the same floor Fuck, now i'm just like <laughs> But the floors are, I mean, the floor is like a square city block of Times Square. So it's enormous. And totally. There was no reason to go to your end of the floor. It's true. Although I do remember we had like one or two overlaps where we're like, I know who you are. Nod, nod, and then proceed. Yeah. So yeah, how did like sort of frustration, I'm just presuming because I was frustrated there, like translate into what you do now, I guess? Um, I think that the frustration was actually kind of secondary. Um. It was just never, well, you know, I expected it to be in, you know, the the 20s dream of career-oriented upward. Mobile. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, just like the the kind of advertised dream of your young life Mm -hmm. before you figure out that's all garbage. Uh, You know, it it fit that story. I kind of was, you know, uh, sleepily climbing a ladder and mm-hmm. um a big part of it i think was that i got to new york and was told you're not going to get this kind of job and i was like oh really word yeah totally um and i did very quickly and it you know that was kind of and where were gratifying where, from where from where did i come from mm-hmm. i was in milwaukee where i was finishing school mm-hmm. uh, what did you go to school for I went for English and for film studies. So you were not interested in making any money. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I still am not. Uh, so you arrive in New York, you get this like, you know, shiny job. Yeah. And you commute to this very, very anthropologically specific part of town. Like, how does that translate into what you ultimately became known for, which is like a lot of very candid street photography? Um. Well... For a long time, it didn't translate to anything. For a long time, it was kind of a sleepwalk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being so kind of inward focused and in the dream of success. Right, the fugue state. Yeah, that yeah. I didn't really see what was around me. And in, in kind of like a, a knee-jerk, you know, monkey-see-monkey-do way, I kind of shook my fist <clears throat> Shook my fist at Times Square and at the 
you know, the, the chore of being on the subway every day. Um, although, you know, deep down, I always had a real kind of perverse appreciation of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I blocked it out and complained like I was supposed to. Um, and eventually it was just like, I don't know, you go boredom and dissatisfaction build up long enough, uh, that eventually you hit a breaking point. And for me, when I hit that breaking point, it was just like a floodgate. And not a floodgate, it, it really was just like this this new emotional visual awareness where rather than being tuned out and turned off, suddenly it was like every fucking thing was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's and sub I, a subject, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I remember being brand new to new york and playing this game when i'm like 23 years old on the subway like okay if i could take one person from this car and like spend an hour with them taking pictures in a you know a you know like an artistic non-sleazy way yeah right well at least in a, a like an agreed upon way yeah 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 uh who would i pick so i'd always play that game with myself before i had the means to take a picture on the subway but uh, you know and then the cell phone camera kind of changed that mm -hmm. um Anyway, I'm getting kind of lost in this, but... I guess my question to you is, at what point were you like, you know, I'm doing this thing, it's happening for me, that's going to be what I pursue, like, career-wise? It took a long time. Okay. I mean, honestly, I think that that didn't... Well, look, at some point, April Fool's Day of 2013, specifically, I just jumped ship. I had all this momentum going because Instagram was this new thing and I was like the smart ass on there. Yeah, and Gawker had anointed you like their favorite Instagram photographer. Yeah, I had this good momentum going. And, you know, but in my mind at that point, there was no real legitimacy behind any of that. But I mean, behind Instagram, certainly behind cell phone pictures. Uh, and I didn't take it all that seriously. I've been... Uh, compulsively taking pictures for a long time and and taking kind of like smart ass cell phone pictures on the subway at that time was like oh I'm, you know this is like a, a game mm -hmm. um and it, you know it was well after i quit my job with no safety net and just kind of like threw myself on the mercy of the world that i that i started to consider the possibility that i was doing something mm, worthwhile I mean, worthwhile is maybe still right, a stretch, right. depending Subjective. on Subjective. No, I mean, I personally find it very worthwhile. But um, in terms of why, because, you you know, we, we've talked about your work a lot and how you walk around New York and how you take pictures for, like, sometimes, like, 10-hour days when you're on foot, like, and you've used the term compulsively a lot. Like, oh, yeah. Why did you, what compelled you? Um... I don't know that I could exactly articulate it. Um, I mean, it's... Is it therapeutic? It's... Yeah. I mean, definitely I am... You know, I'm, I, I have the, the brain, the kind of brain that uh, is most comfortable in self-reflection and in over-analysis and endless scrutiny of everything. Uh, and so being giving myself the opportunity to to think uninterruptedly while I exhaust my body for 10 hours a day was just it, more than therapeutic it was just a natural fit mm. uh and in that sort of cornball falling in love when you know you know way it was just like oh this is you know the groove was already there and i just was kind of like the marble just finally hit the right spot and rolled right um and uh in terms like i know that you're wildly introspective in fact like our operating systems can sometimes mirror each other yeah. so like you you and i wind up having like annual huge conversations about the universe but you know you can be mildly brooding and and inscrutable <laughs> is it a, re a relief to to have such a clear objective when you're at these like massive parties that you go to now uh I, I don't know if I'd... Well, yeah, that's a way of putting it. I How mean, would you put it? Uh, it's... I mean, it's just really fun. 
Really? Oh my god! There's it's no the ask- best job. So it's like, tell me about it. Why? Okay. Well, like, there, what, what about it tickles the? the if we're going psychological, yeah, I mean, there go. is first of all an an enormous opportunity with a very short time limit. There is access. There's rare access. There is exclusive access. There are usually a lot of photographers, uh, and I have. I mean, it's like it's like athletic. Is it a blood sport? It's kind of a, I mean, it's more like Pac-Man. <laughs> I mean, I really, I feel like uh, I just go around and gobble, every, gobble up everything I can get within range of. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think that as somebody who spends the vast majority, if not all of my time, looking and processing... Um, the abundance of kind of symbolism and uh, I don't know. It's just like the whole language is there for the taking when you're in a room full of celebrities. Every one of them has this like built in meaning to, uh, you know, a, a big chunk of the population. And you can just tell stories on a whole new level when you have that kind of, you know, those kind of characters to play with. Uh, and so. It's just, I don't know, it's just like the greatest hour when you're in that room. Because does it feel fast? Like, what does it feel like when you're in there? It feels like Adderall. It feels like... Uh, so it's like a scavenger hunt on Adderall, but with h- higher stakes almost, because you're, like, talking about the rarest people to actually, like, encounter IRL in, like, meat space. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, scavenger hunt is a way of putting it. It's It's just like... Or like big game hunting? Yeah. On yes, Adderall? Yes. <laughs> big buck hunter is definitely, uh, I've thrown that around. What is the energy like in spaces like these where you have, you know, because certain famous people are like undeniably famous where you look at their eyes and that energy, you're like, wow, this is like a tractor beam and you have turned on your eyes and switched on your fame and you are shining for me. Yeah. And if you're in a room filled with shine fame orbs, like what is that energy like? Okay. Well, I can only speak... I guess, of the energy for me. Um, the impression that I get, the way that it feels in that scenario is that those people all have the huge disadvantage of having to think about themselves because they're all being consumed by their peers. Everyone's being like looked at. Everyone's, everyone's there to represent their brand. Mm-hmm. And I am nobody. I'm invisible. I'm a ghost in that room. Like they, they, I'm at most a flash and usually they don't even see that part. So I'm, you know, it's like, it's like the childhood fantasy of being invisible. Like, what do you do? Where do you go? What, whose bathroom do you stake out? Uh, I just have the most privileged point of view and, uh, it's just total adrenaline. It's so much fun. So that's the thing. It's like, I've actually seen you take photos of people in subways and you are practically touching their noses with your phone. Is it kind of the same thing? Are you that close? Yeah, but it's much less delicate. Really? Yes. It's even more just like, so my question to you is that like some of your photos and I love your photos um, of this particular sort of arena because mm-hmm. you've seen party photos like ad infinitum or whatever, but the the level of candor, it's like there's an honesty and a high drama that almost teeters on the brink of like fear and loathing. <laughs> and it's almost like the photo equivalent of like a Ralph Steadman illustration where you can feel the energy and it's almost like you're as close as like they're just standing in an elevator with you. Like I've never seen the outline of Rihanna's pierced nipple. Oh yeah. Like I have outside of your photos. <laughs> uh-huh. So are so you're that close and you're just in there and do you ask permission? Like what's the protocol? Well, that's that's I think the first giant leap out of the world of the subway or the street, which is that you are in a place where you have absolute license and expectation to take pictures. I mean, those people know that part of being in that room is that there is a, a, a nonstop barrage of flashes. And so is it, that's is just it, is like the perfect blinding? cover for me. Blinding for them? Yeah. Uh, 
I think it's more invisible than it's blinding. I mean, you mm. have. I think they have to kind of ignore it. I mean, I'm sure they're thinking like, I hope I'm not making a bad face. They've yeah, said right. as much to me a million times. But, uh, but you know, it's it's just like, I mean, those events are photo shoots. Right, right, and, right. Uh, you know, there's you can you can take that any any way you want. That's kind of the privilege of of having a camera in that room. How many pictures do you shoot to get enough for like a gallery on like Vogue.com? It's like Tom Ford's party for Vogue. Like, um, it depends. I shoot film as often as I can, and with that, really, that's a high stakes game too. Uh, yeah, but the stakes just make it more interesting and make the work better. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a big way, I think because of limitations. And uh, so when I do that, I, obviously I can't bring unlimited film. I almost never bring, I mean, I think 10 rolls is kind of like my standard to walk in with. Um, and, you know, 10 rolls is meaningless until you hit like mid-roll eight. And you're like, okay. Fuck, yeah. I got to start. It's amazing <clears throat> to me, though, because you're like, oh, I like limitations and it's worth it because film is beautiful. But also you've kind of like... You know, you shot, you've shot like t- hundreds of thousands of photos at this point, like yeah. on your phone. Like, true. You've been training for this ostensibly. Yes. For mm. years and years and years and years and years, like yeah. your whole career. Well, and forget my career. I mean, since I'm a kid. Right. I mean, I moved to New York when I was 23. And that was kind of, I mean, I'd always been interested and dabbled. But once I got here at 23 with like, you know, not even the courage to walk into a bar. Like my nighttime activity was I'd go and look in the window of a bar that I read about, like the L magazine or something, <laughs> and think, yeah, one day I'll go in there. Right, and your, your mental Rolodex is like, click. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, it became, you know, it was such a visual and emotional overload that uh, from that point, I really, uh, I always had a camera. Right. And. To capture it for posterity? To begin with, just to keep track, Mm. to begin with, to deal with the problem of what did you do yesterday? Because I couldn't remember very quickly. I couldn't put it together because I, you know, music, because I was 23, probably more than because of the era. But music at that moment was very interesting. The Lower East Side was still a a tolerable place to be. Uh, There was a show to see every night, sometimes two, sometimes three. Uh, And so, you know, I was new and God, kind I of unencumbered those halcyon and, days, yeah, totally. Yeah. And you go three days of that, and who the hell knows what you've been doing, right? So it was kind of like keeping track. And then in the exercise of keeping track, I started to learn through the, uh, you know, I guess kind of in a big way through social media, I started to learn what a passport it could be mm. for somebody who didn't have a reason to be in interesting rooms. Is there any part of you that is just like? validated by the fact that you are in some of the most exclusive rooms in the most like exclusive moments recently yeah the new stuff like does that does that validate young me yeah like um voyeuristic looky loo you i guess maybe at some point i'll look back and think of it that way Mm. i think i'm still you know i'm so in the story that i don't think of it so Distantly. Are you ha- so unbelievably happy in these moments? Hmm. I, I'm kind of like beyond personal emotion. You're just high. Yeah, I'm just like I'm. An, I am a muscle. I am. I am my mission. Mm. Um. And definitely, like once it ends, you, the absence of happiness is is very apparent. <laughs> Right, right, right. Uh, the sky is darkest after the fireworks. Right. Yeah, totally. What are you shooting on? Uh, mostly I use a Contax G2. Okay, I know nothing about Just here about on the cameras. table. Yeah. Uh, What's the significance I, I don't know that much about cameras either, to be honest. God, I um, love you. I was really scared I would open that Pandora's box and we'd just be embroiled in a 45-minute oh, conversation I would, I would love to bore you to death, but I'm not smart enough. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, I just, I felt like, I was just like, maybe people who are listening to this will care, but I actually... Don't particularly. But what what's the flavor of it? Like, what do you like about it? Uh, it's fast. Uh, I've got a 28 millimeter lens on it, so it's forgiving. I mean, it, it a lot of, there's a lot of space for information in a 28 millimeter lens. Um, 
I it's it's like a it's like a billy club of a camera. Mm, I mean the flash so is you. the flash is brutal. Um I can shoot from the waist and know where it needs to be, know which way I need to point it. I don't have to think too much. Uh at least I don't have to think about the camera too much. I can mm. like really keep my head in the world around me. So it's an intuitive extension of like your physical body. And totally. Like, yeah. Totally. I mean, it swings from my wrist my whole waking life. So how how do you psych yourself up for like a really big deal shoot? And what was like the scariest, most daunting shoot you've been on? Well, uh, fear is a great topic because um, the the alienation, the like f- helpful alienation that comes after those fearful moments Mm. it's kind of a lasting alienation so now you know less and less things are terrifying i mean i i love i love (laughs) to be a little scared but i don't so much dissonance (laughs) yeah i don't go into many things anymore being like how am i going to survive this i know i can survive it now it's more like you know the psych up is all right daniel you have to turn off your phone basically right, is the, right, right. the number one limitation like you know it's just You're it's a matter in. of like yeah. really of really getting your eyes jacked open and uh making the most of it do you have any sort of um superstitious things that you do beforehand oh i wish i did <laughs> you need to make something yeah, up make for something me up. um what is the energy like at a political congregation like the rnc or the dnc oh, so harsh yeah like how emotionally expensive is like what is the vibe uh well look I mean, I guess I have kind of a packaged version of this because I've been talking about it ever since I've been there. So let me give you uh, hopefully a slightly shinier version of that. I want full sheen. Okay. Full glam. So the big surprise, which, you know, maybe I've betrayed by saying how physical <laughs> these other jobs have been, but was the physicality of the job. How, how so? Um, just, I mean, yes, you're right. It's extremely emotionally taxing. And not necessarily for political reasons. I mean, the RNC, yes, the the words that are coming from the speakers are hard to deal with, for sure. Did you have to, like, walk into a shower with all your clothes on and shoes and sit under the water for a long time? You know, the, it's funny. The preparation for the RNC was so overblown. I was getting emails literally telling me to pack oversized fashion magazines to use as a stab vest. I was prepared for the absolute worst, prepared for total chaos. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Uh, and the RNC, I mean, pff, there was action outside for sure. The protests were, you know, they were protests. It wasn't anything crazy. Inside the RNC, it was, it was uh, kind of a complacent situation. I mean, at least compared to the DNC, it felt like a country club. It was like... Was it smug? A well-dressed, not smug, because it was kind of like... What does complacent imply, though? It complies, I mean, it implies comfort. It was like the crowd sat in their seats, drank, uh, listened to every word, encouraged their speakers, participated in their party, uh, didn't seem to ask a lot of questions. I mean, there was a little bit of dissent, but kind of toothless. Um... And there were certain photos in that series that were almost like a Christian church revival. There was a lot of like, yeah, a lot of hands up and eyes yep. closed for sure. Uh, and, you know, I think that the the program was meant to inspire such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but really, it was it was a pretty. Almost a sympathetic crowd. I mean, for, it, was, it was a very it was the most definitely the most human look I've had at that campaign that has been so inhuman and so bizarre yeah totally um to see just like the practicality of it like okay these are people who are have subscribed to this thing this whole time and they're here to like hear all the shit that's in the newsletter right right said right louder by other, real yeah. people yeah and, yeah um but what do you what about the dnc in contrast the dnc was total chaos how so i mean i guess well if you think about it as a white-haired crowd versus a pink-haired crowd Right. And you've got a very, very opinionated demographic. You've got people, who, a lot of people who are very mad about the Bernie Sanders situation. Uh, right. And, a, I mean, forget Bernie Sanders. Everybody was mad about something. And everybody was on their feet. Nobody heard a word of the speakers. I mean, obviously, you know, 
Michelle Obama made a, a an very impression. stirring. Yeah, uh, totally. yeah. There and were that, moments, and but, that was a crazy time too. Oh, I mean, every time has been a crazy time in terms of like this particular election process. Yeah, but you know the the, the logistics of my job were that there was a semicircle that spanned the floor of the arena, which is a big semicircle, but it's completely overcrowded, and you are not allowed to stop moving. You have to renew your badge every hour, and you've got. Uh, an army of volunteers and really aggressive hostile security guards literally screaming into your ear, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. You can't stop. You can't stand here. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. So you have to be in motion. Re- really, for 12 hours a day, you're in motion, crowded in enough that you can't raise your arms uh, while you're being battered with all kinds of political you know, energy. And it's it's really exhausting. And then, you know, the nature of the job is that you then go home and edit till six in the morning. Right. And then start over on three hours of sleep. Uh, so day after day after day. Yeah. And I did like, I did a job in California between the two conventions. So I really overloaded myself. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm in a mode where everything is new and exciting. So I say yes. Um, so yeah, it was a very, I mean, I, I came home from this summer and had, you know, suddenly have asthma. As a thing, you don't know. I guess I don't know. Wow. I'm, I'm supposedly it's going to go away. I hope it goes away. But I yeah, I beat what the shit out of myself. What is temporary asthma? About? I don't know. I guess it's like sickness inspired asthma. Asthma, but uh, so far it's. I'm so I'm like I'm furious with you. I'm like, why are you this sick? So you've made yourself sick. Um, yes. I guess to to dial back, you did not yeah, go to school back. for photography. Obviously, nope. we just discussed that. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? <laughs> well. Uh, Little twenty-three-year-old me that I was talking about before was uh, was bound and de- determined to be a music writer. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm I know. so glad you didn't pursue that. Guess well, what I we... did pursue it. I spent, uh, you know, the first movement of my life here, basically getting my hands into every angle of the music business that I could, and just like kept pulling up, you know, handfuls of seaweed. Yeah, there was just nothing to hold on to, and it was you know, a very valuable lesson demoralization. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was what it was. At this point in career in your career, do your parents like fully understand and appreciate what it is that you do? Uh my parents have always been fans. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had any shortage of confidence or support. Really? Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. They're like my cheerleaders. Um do your siblings take photos? I sometimes see like other Arnolds credited within your Instagram feed, and I wonder about that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think that the kind of original germ was shared. Like huh. several of us took up an interest at the same time, and we're all kind of, you know, in the era of Flickr. Oh, sure. We were all kind of, you know, active and flexing and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Being very productive and being very experimental and kind of feeding off of each other. And this is, you know, in a 12-year in a range when I'm like 25 and my 15-year-old sister and my 13-year-old brother are, you know, doing the same thing. Uh, and then, you know, I had the good fortune of being the oldest. So You're like, fuck you, I'm going to New York. Yeah. Uh, not quite fuck you, but... Also, yeah, sometimes family members just say goodbye. Thing, <laughs> yeah. It became such a thing that like, I don't know, I think the nature of sibling dynamics is that like when a person starts to become defined by a certain activity verb, yeah yeah then then for you it becomes like eh, well am i just trying to be like him sure sure and i don't think it ever was that i mean if anything i got my push from them are they pursuing it professionally no okay but they are i mean across the board even the ones who never dabbled in photography i think i mean across the board my siblings are very a very creative, uh, kind of wild-thinking, neurotic freak bunch. Amazing. Those are the people that you want to get grow old with, also because you have no choice. <laughs> yes, and also because they're made of all the same stuff as me. Which, yeah, ingredient-wise, it's satisfying. It's good certain. for collusion. Yeah. How often are you traveling these days? Um, asthma. Right now, not really at all, but generally, uh, much more than I ever ever did talk to me about some of the places you've been this year Ooh, hello microphone uh this year i've spent a lot of time in la i was in portugal in porto for a couple of days um cleveland 
Philadelphia. Right, right, right. Seattle, Nashville, um, a lot of United States this year. How much warning do you have before you're like, pack your bag, go? Mm, it's usually pretty short. Yeah. Is that taxing? No, I love it. Why? I that would know, stress me out so much. Well, you know, you. I think you'd be, maybe this is just my personality, but I think you'd be surprised how quickly uh, stability becomes stressful. Man. Um, like the lack of totally brain-melting stress and anxiety becomes stressful. Like I don't know what to do with myself when I don't have uh, an emergency to find my way out of. That sounds particular. <laughs> Unhealthy? Yeah. Maybe? No, I'm just like imagining all the years it's shaving off your life expectancy. Um, are you enormously successful and rich yet? Oh, no. Not even like adjacent? I mean, I'm not broke. Right. Which I was. I mean, I basically had an overdrawn bank account for the first two years of this. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, now I, I overeat, which is all I ever really wanted to do. <laughs> Um, right, right. I, I, I'm pursuing gout. Yeah. Um, question. So, yeah, I mean, like, I remember fairly recently one of your sort of, like, internet SEO claims to fame is that Forbes wrote about the fact that you one day had a print sale. Right. And raised, like, 15K or something. Yeah. Do you ever resort to things like that anymore? I've done it a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. It has surprisingly to me i mean that that was a great day that was exciting <laughs> right, right. i mean there was plenty of uh peripheral chaos that pretty much drowned it out for me um but it has been a story like, that wait, has what? stuck uh, you don't want to know okay fair uh it's been a story that has you know that i i'm called upon to talk about when i'm called upon to talk about things right 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 a nice uh, yarn to spin yeah i mean it's it's good I, ultimately it's good it's clickbait it's like a good story. It's, uh, but ultimately, I don't think it was that significant. Uh, now it's, you know, it, it's funny what's come of it. I don't want to take credit for the idea of selling things online. Obviously, that's not me whatsoever. Right. I am the grandfather of e-commerce. <laughs> right. But I think that I, I mean, obviously, at least in terms of publicity, yeah, I was kind of the, the pebble that got that avalanche going. Uh, you know, now Magnum does it once a month and sure. I get constant, constant messages from all around the world being like, Hey, I read your story. How, How do, do I, I sell my photos online? I, I don't even have the heart to tell them that I have no idea. Are you, what, what is your sort of positioning in the hierarchy and or pantheon of like photographers slash photography? Like do you get your propers. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Lies. I, you must have some sort of inkling. I really don't. I mean, look. Do you feel like a sham when you say I'm a photographer anymore? No. Okay. I don't feel like a sham because that's that's low yeah, key kind of new. That's knew. progress for yeah. sure. And I, you know, when I switched, I was just getting used to saying I'm a writer, which I'm still, you know, you, I, I'm not convinced of, but. I mean, look, what can I call myself aside from that when I walk around with a camera, you know, most of my life? Right. It's how I spend my life. Uh, you know, what meaning any of it holds is a total toss-up. And I, you know, I don't even have to make the effort to keep that kind of grandiose kind of line of thinking out of my head. I just don't have it. Uh, you know, obviously, when there's press that's like comparing you to the greatest people that ever took pictures, like uh, I don't know, they they throw it all around. Winogrand, uh, you know, Robert Frank, people that I have no business being compared to. I have compared you personally to Robert. Well, Frank okay, well then you, for national you may, magazines. You may, look, I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's great. It's it's very flattering. But uh, no, I, it, you, you know, know I, I think the second that you start believing your own hype, you're dead. Oh, for sure. Like no one, and that's not even calculated. Be, I just don't. I mean, look, I know the truth of my everyday life, and it's not cute. Well, sure. Like wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> and like you would be insufferable if you were just like huffing your own fumes, and we would not be here. But. You know, the thing that I will say, and it's funny to me because I, you know, like I mentioned, I wrote about you a couple years ago for Wired Magazine. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And 
and not even thinking. It was like I pursued you, and I was like, I want to write about this and this being a person, and it's you. Um, and did me unmatched justice to this day. Thank you. For real. That was a great one. It was fun. And it was it, nice to be so uh, thought about. I thought about it a lot. And actually, it happened during a time. Your, I did that interview a couple days before I moved to L.A. for oh, a year yeah. and a half. And right. so you and I had the most quintessential, I think I called it um, Snow Globe New York. And it was totally. like the most idyllic, picturesque day. And we we started in Midtown. And... We walked around, we went uptown, we went to the museum, and then we we saw a literal saxophone player <laughs> like in the park, in Central Park. And it was a magical day and it really helped me like fall in love with New York again. And I had been very sort of disenchanted by it for a while. And there are moments that I will say where I think about New York in terms of the viewfinder of what I imagined to be a Daniel Arnold shot. Oh. And it really high praise. No, it gives me a lot of joy. Like, you know, when you see two people sitting on the subway and they are so diametrically opposed (laughs) in vibe, but are making the same exact expression or have their hands in exactly the same way. And you're just sort of like in your mind, like, LOL, like, yeah. And those, those moments, I think do a lot to sort of counter the microaggressions of trying to fucking live here. (laughs) Right. Well, Well, look, and you know, to circle back to your first question that I was totally powerless to answer my job at least as I define it, really is to is to go see New York as a new place every day. And it doesn't always happen in New York. Mm. But I mean, it's it's that's the job. The job is to stay kind of two years old, to stay looking up, to stay looking around and I, to keep it new. That, to like and, go out of my way to make it new every day. But that's the thing. It's like, I think that that definitely applies to cities, but I think it also applies to photography. The thing that I love most about your your pictures is that you don't see a non-stage photo anymore. Like my favorite part of you being behind the scenes and in these rooms and like, you know, red carpets is like your photos of people taking photos and what is literally happening happening outside of the what they think is in the frame. Mm-hmm. Cause that's so it betrays like so much of their true body language. And when that person is a celebrity and it's like a Jay-Z or a Beyonce, you've never really seen candid body language from them. Yeah. And so it's interesting. Oh well, um, yeah. And it's the kind it's really the kind of thing where uh, the way that I do things, I don't get a second chance at anything. Well that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, you know, are you still surprised when you go through the images at the end of the night oh yeah really that's i mean that's that's the best part that's better than shooting i mean it's excruciating (laughs) it always starts with brutal disappointment every time no exception yeah every time i get the the photos back i'm like i'm a fucking loser i blew it Ugh, that makes me feel sick. It's like kind of like when I get out of an interview with a famous person and I check to see if my tape was running (laughs) and like that split second of like not knowing, Mm -hmm. except that extended over like rolls of fucking film, I would, I would vomit. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that. (laughs) Right. Well, and you know, the expectation that I put on myself that I'm going to go in there and that, you know, every cycle of 36 shots that I shoot, I want 36 of course, masterpieces. Yeah, the, the greed, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, the expectations I have of myself are insane, and in, I think in a big way fueled by the nature of the internet. It's like I feel like if I don't have something that feels transcendent every day, right? If every I start, frame, I start to feel like a like I'm garbage. You're like everything has to be meme worthy or die. Um, I love I love asking you this, and I've asked you this before. Um, but now that you've shot so many inaccessible and powerful people, do you have a photo in your mind that you really feel like you almost got, but it got away? Oh, God, so many. Really? What? I mean... One example. It's an, Really, there are, there are many every day. Because, what like the I most... said, the, I mean, my, the stuff of my pictures lasts a split second. Lasts, you know... There's not, nothing holds still for me. Uh, so I'm constantly screwing up and I don't look through the viewfinder and I just keep my fingers crossed half the time. And so it's constant disappointment. But specifically in the realm of celebrity action. Yeah. 
I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Justin Bieber sitting uh, at a table at the Met Ball. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell these stories. Nobody listen. Sitting at a table at the Met Ball on his phone, having searched his own name on Instagram and flipping through pictures of himself at the Met Ball at the Met Ball. <gasps> oh, my God. It was the greatest. The meta, 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 meta. And it's that like was one. I mean, I... I botched the picture but that was one that like it that moment lasted and i just stood over him and was like oh my god i am a lucky bastard that i get to watch this this is amazing yeah that's the other thing like not for nothing like maybe you didn't get to like preserve that morsel and pound of flesh for the rest of us fucking heathens but you saw that that's cool yes. <laughs> and, and I you know that's not even it. that's that is that's <laughs> beyond judgment like i cannot hold it against him because that is like that's if you were that him, trickles like down that. to yeah, forget yeah. it if you're him if you're anyone we yeah. all do that shit yeah yeah oh that, that is probably like the most humanizing thing i've heard about the beebs who i am a huge unrepentant bieber apologist like i love him so much yeah. his celebrity industrial complex i his algorithm i just pray at the altar continuously but do you ever deliberately eliminate photos that look too pretty mm, no i love pretty photos i mean there it's are... weird it's not it's not that like you're like deliberately getting like Beyonce Super Bowl face. It's never that. It's it's just this very candid like where you're like, I have never seen this angle yeah. of this person. And it's beautiful because these people are like, they're like unicorns. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's it's a matter of, of everyone's personal take on beauty. I don't know. <laughs> True. I mean, That's another podcast, man. Yeah, right. That's a lot of podcasts yeah. that will be insufferable. Is Humans of New York for real your friend, or is he like your new man from Seinfeld? Oh, no. He's a great guy. Okay. <laughs> he is. He I was is, never uh, like, ah. <laughs> he is a fascinating character for sure. Um, and he, you know, he and I are very kind of peripheral in each other's lives because we're, we're busy and on very different paths. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is, he is somebody who, whose company I have definitely gained from. Mm. I mean, that's that's not putting it very right. uh, flatteringly for myself, because I don't mean it that way. But well, yeah, he's he's a fascinating it? character. He yeah. is a he is a fascinating force. He is relentless and ambitious, but also like incredibly sensitive and. I mean, he must He's in a be, hard position. Yeah. He gets a lot of shit. Yeah. He gets a lot of shit for working really hard on something that I think he really genuinely cares about. And I think he's, you know, I understand how he's, why he's misunderstood. Well, the, the easy cynicism of what he does or like. Just like why people want to knock him down. Right. And, you know, I, I get some of it too, but I think he gets, I mean, he has a much bigger audience. How many, how many Instagram followers do you have at this point? I have, uh. Somewhere around 130,000. Okay. Not quite 130. I feel like some of my favorite comments of yours on your timeline is just people explaining what the shot is. Yeah. <laughs> or or we have the photo. It's great. Like yeah. it's right here. We know yeah, what it that's is. Yeah, that's a that's a funny, <laughs> funny subculture that I'm sure someday we'll get a good um a good satire. With your very glamorous high flying schedule, do you still find time to shoot around in New York? Oh yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know what to do with myself. Like every day still? Mm, pretty much. Wow. I mean, it's not like, it's not always like a calculated, I'm going to go out and look for yeah, magic. You, liter you literally just have your, ca your yeah, camera Yeah, just never you. don't bring it. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully most days take me out of the house. Do you, you know, I think that at the time that you and I um, were walking around New York, you were like bemoaning the fact that the iPhone 5S camera was like garbage. Mm -hmm. Do you shoot on your phone ever still? Yeah. And how do you feel about the 7? Well, they gave me a 7S. Mm. They, uh, you know, they, I, for the first time, as far as I know, the first time ever, they like got themselves, a, you know, a, a test group. Huh. And gave out a bunch of 7Ss. That is a hallowed <laughs> and rarefied space oh, yeah. to occupy. How do you feel about that? Uh, it was, it was very flattering. <laughs> Do you feel like it does too much? Like, you know how it does that, like, 
I don't know how to pronounce it. B-O-K-E-H. Oh, the bouquet? Yeah, the bouquet. Yeah, the, the fake, uh, the blur in the background. Yeah. Did, I mean, does I don't it... think there's anything to criticize about them being super ambitious with their, their camera. Obviously, their, their camera at its most basic totally changed the world. Yeah, of course. Changed uh, your life. Really? Yeah, it changed my life. Changed photography. Changed everything. I mean, if you think about the difference in photography, especially taking pictures of strangers, yeah. when every single person is intimately uh, familiar with the logistics of taking a picture, or alternatively, if you imagine a world where people don't really know what photography is, like the amount of leeway you would get from that, from taking pictures in a place where it's like, it's just kind of like, what the hell was that? Now, everybody knows, everybody is so you know, preciously in control of their image uh, and, you know, replicating it every day many times, uh, you know, they they should be ambitious. They deserve to be ambitious. And I think that, you know, their new camera, it's... It's on a cell phone, which complicates things. It's, you know, it's not perfect, but I think it's ambitious as hell. And I've, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad they're working hard on it. I'm glad they take it seriously. And you are hashtag blessed because you have a free phone. Oh, God. I <laughs> never thought such a thing would happen. That's amazing. So, you know, this is a total non sequitur, but do you feel an emotional and spiritual void in New York photography now that Bill Cunningham is dead? <laughs> It's no. bad for morale, though, that he's gone. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. Why? Because I think that he... I feel like this is going to be a really hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clear. Clear the air. Uh, I think that he... By dying, he only enlarges his story. Embiggens it. Yeah. Embiggens... I mean, he gave his life. Yes. And giving your life becomes much more meaningful when you're dead. That's true. And he really gave his life. And his work, whether you're crazy about it or not, is the story as much of New York as it is of his own life, as it is of his, you know, the complexities of his brain, of his, you know, his commitment is such a story. And I think it's on any level, in any profession, no matter what, is inspiring and uh, it's an example for everyone. No matter what you care about. It's beautiful, for sure. Um, it's religious. That's true. Gosh, I don't know. Um, do you think street style is over because everyone is a brand and every image <laughs> is like a sponsored content? I, You know, you'd think that I'd be the right person to ask that question, but I've never really had a single thought about street style. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I understand that to give. it informs everything that I do uh, in a secondary way, mm-hmm. in a in you know in the consumption of of what I'm doing. But I don't know, I don't know what like what the sartorialist that kind of thing. <laughs> no, just like there was like such a hullabaloo in the wake of Fashion Month about like the honesty of any of the ensemble. Oh, like the actual fashion side yeah. of it, you mean? Because everything is like basically like paid to play. Yeah. I don't know. I think that anytime everything is anything, there's always a, a good Healthy spirited chunk of people who are like, yeah. fuck no. <laughs> Do you, are you like recognized at this point like a Bill Cunningham or a Patrick McMullen or a, or a the cobra snake? Oh, uh, I'm mistaken for the cobra snake on a daily basis. Is that true? No. Oh my God. I was going to say like, what? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. Does a Hadid know you on site? She does now. Re- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a big night the other night. Go on. Uh, well, I just shot this party that she hosted, and uh, I definitely, I mean, I was really, there was one other, there was like a, a wire photographer there, but I was. Uh, were you were, elected? You were cherry picked to be the one to be there. Well, V, V hired me mm. uh, to kind of be like the main energy photographer of the thing, and I think I scared the shit out of her. I mean, we we managed to, like, get through it and survive each other. Scare how? I don't know. It's just like those, uh, as you would expect, that class of person is not used to having such little control of their image. 
It, and I am, you know, she's like taking a bite of food and I'm without noticing necessarily that she's taking a bite of food, a flash goes off. And so we had a lot of conversations like, please, you know, please don't make me look bad, mm-hmm. which is no, dis- I mean, I don't blame her. I, you know, yeah, she, yeah, it's her yeah. job to look good in pictures. Uh, but there yeah. is a certain degree of surrender in letting you do your thing and in oh. Daniel Arnold being let loose. Right. Well, yeah. And, and in a situation like that, it's not personal surrender. Mm. So it's just like, this is what the, the rules of the room. Is, yeah. Is there ever like an upstairs, downstairs, like Gosford park or like Downton vibe where it's like, you are part of the help or is it like a very different sort of dynamic? Um, I don't know. I think that that is, super subjective and depends on personality i definitely feel well going in i always feel like invisible Mm -hmm. are you told to like use like service entrances and stuff Mm, i guess so i don't know i mean i never i mean the rules are there to be broken sure uh Especially when it's, you're in like a competitive mm. uh, situation with great access, and you 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 do what you have to do until you're told not to, and then you do it again until they tell you not to again. Have you almost been like ejected from situations? I'm sure I've been kicked out of places. <laughs> um, you're like I can't feel my. But face. nothing He's... really comes to mind. I don't know. You know, I'm not in person. I'm I'm not such a controversial guy no i mean i'm I'm, you know i don't think it's it's very easy to stay mad at me no i've called it your um midwestern comportment yeah i'm a sweet talker yeah and i mean it yeah i mean i'm not a bullshitter like i and i'm i'm doing what i do as far as i'm concerned for the right reason and i'm decent at communicating that and uh yeah you're not like a sociopath no one's going to be like this man's energy is bleak and like no. Yeah. No, and you know, if I rub someone the wrong way, it is important to me to unrub them. Yeah. What has so? Who are you all shooting for at this point? The Vogue. <clears throat> you've shot for the New Yorker. It's uh, I don't know. Just everyone. It's everyone. Yeah. It's all over the place. I mean, there's definitely still still places that I have yet to like who set foot. New York Magazine has never hired me. Oh, interesting. That feels like such a shoe-in. Yeah, I know. We, we're, I know. We're Powers a good match. that be. My God. I know. Um, what do you think will be... What has been the most gratifying professional experience thus far? Well... Other than this podcast. Yeah, well, this is clearly. the top. I don't know how I'm going to go to sleep tonight. Um, surprisingly, I did a job recently. The only time I've worked for the New York Times... I did a portrait of Rufus Wainwright. I saw that. And it was lovely. They ran it big on yeah. the cover of the I think it was Th- Thursday Styles. I don't remember exactly, but but seeing my photo in print in the New York Times. But this is like three years into working for a long list of people that I never ever thought would know I existed. Didn't even want them to know I existed. Yeah. Uh but yeah, seeing my seeing my photo big in the New York Times was like, God. Damn, I did something. Yeah. Even though it was like the least, I th- really the least of my daring accomplishments. It looks like you though. Like yeah. I can always, I can always tell what you've shot. Like it's very good. voicey. And also that is all the news that's fit to print. And I'm sure like seeing <laughs> your name in the font is like crazy. Yeah. The I don't, byline, I couldn't tell like, you why I would not. Well, I guess I kind of know, but it's like the ultimate. Yeah. It's a good it's one. The, it's the room to be in. It's the place. Um, do you have any mentors? Oh. Who are active in your life? I always like just <clears throat> fawn after people who don't know I'm alive. Yeah. Um mentor is maybe I don't know if I'd go that far because I'm such a I don't know, a tortured loner. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely none of nothing would be possible without a big cast of like really talented, really good, good people. Like the, the community they... is uh of photographers? Yeah. And I'm you know, I'm sure that there is a very cold alternate experience and I've been very lucky and have spent time with the right people and I'm scared to even start saying names cuz under pressure I will forget so many yeah. but But you know, uh I never would have been able to pay rent or feed myself when I quit my job if not for Grant Cornett who is a fucking genius still life photographer. 
I never would have quit my job in the first place if Tim Barber hadn't been at my mm -hmm. back being like, you can do this, you can do this, trust me, you can do this. And Jason Nacito, who was like, you know, when I met J Jason Nacito, I was like a different person for three months because I watched him work and I was like watching him love his job. I was like, oh my God, I that's how a that. person should yeah. be. Not even I want that. Like I didn't, didn't even occur to me that that was- <laughs> You're uh, like, that's allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like my my close inner circle people, Sonny Shokray, Jeff Henriksen, uh, just like being surrounded by people who are thinking these ways and, uh, you know, basically defying the expectation that this is like sacred space that nobody gets to walk into. Right. And just being like, no, this is, you know. Don't fetishize it. Just why go not, do it. Why not you? Mm. Yeah. That's like, it's funny, like how often we think that about our friends, but don't verbalize it or like actually just actualize some of those actions, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you do for self-care? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Um, <clears throat> you work? Self-care. God, I don't really do much self-care. I'm kind of... Uh, Are you a mess right now? I've been I've been more of a mess. Where um, are you? Where are you as far as like the peak and the trough of messness? Well, I have a uh, a recent like a breaking secret weapon, mm. which is that my sister, who I mentioned way back in the the dawn of our family <laughs> family art blossom, uh, moved to New York a year ago. Yeah, I met her. She's great. She's the best. Yeah, and she has been. Uh, I recently officially hired her to sort out my life for me. What does that mean? Do, does, does this mean that you don't have <clears throat> boxes and boxes of undeveloped Well, it means roles. that she has boxes and boxes <laughs> uh, and that I just I have my job. to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's more than that. You know, I brought her this summer on a, like one of my, really one of the only proper commercial jobs I've done, which was a, a mess, a terrifying mess. And I, you know, I would not have thought of it in these terms before experiencing it, but having her along in an unmanageable situation is like, it's like a, like your portable home. Yeah. It's like you, you know, you just like tag it and you're okay. Right, right, right. You're like sustained <clears throat> for that moment. Yeah. Like what, what could possibly be unmanageable when like your little sister's with you? Yeah. Everything's good. Everyone's Everything's pull it doable. together, yeah. Yeah, you gotta like, you know, you gotta make it okay for someone else. So how could it not be okay for you? Right, and also like this ends and I get to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like there's such massively bigger things than right now. Like what? Like, you know. Like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking Trump. I was thinking you know, the presence of a family member just grounds you in your, you know, your biggest reality. That's true. Which is your story from the beginning. Yeah. Which can be humiliating, but it's also familiar and So she's comforting. like your north. Yeah. That's a romantic way of telling it. No, for sure. I mean it's nice. Um so that's what you do for self care. You look upon the eyeballs of your sibling. Yeah. Well, and you know, on do you, is she, are you on my community. Are you teaching her stuff? Uh you'd have to ask her. Okay, fair enough. Um what is your favorite walking slash photographing path in New York? Mm. Well, I try not to have one, but I do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I also, like, I love walking in the city with you because you know where all the bathrooms are. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Bars. Bars are the trick. Yeah, true. Uh, and I've learned that the hard way because <laughs> I've had to... Fully wet my pants. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, Do you still keep going? Oh hell yeah! Oh god, you're so broken. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not a, a, an experience that I cherish or right, want right, to right. relive often. But there is some savage liberation in wetting your pants. That's true. In public, like what? Where with do you that go rule from here? Out yeah, of the yeah, way, yeah. <laughs> with that, like the the main rule of society broken, <laughs> you're like ten feet tall. It's true. It's like how people who really, really old people during a meal would check out and oh, they'd yeah. be like, I'm not here for this. Or just like any rip longer. farts. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. They're untethered. Yeah. Um Oh, so you want to yeah, know a path? I want a path. 
Oh, well, I don't know. There's like checkpoints. Okay. I like to get off at 53rd and 5th. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to spend some time going up and down that chunk of 5th Avenue between 53rd and the park. I like to do at least a little lap in the park because the when it dawned on me that I was beginning to know my way around Central Park. Whoa. That was like, okay, I'm doing something right with my life. So all the quadrants have like locked together. And so you know the terrain like cartographically. Well, look, I don't know, you know, past a certain number. Like I don't know it past the hundreds. But, you know, my part of the park, I know my way around. I know. And and that was after sitting in a cubicle for 10 years and tuning out New York as just like the backdrop. Mm. uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm onto something. Yeah, totally. That I go to Central Park. Who goes to Central Park every day? And it's like my job. Ugh, that's great. Um, so I do a loop in there. Um, and then it depends on my, I don't know, I'll, I'll either go back down 5th Ave or cut over to 8th and go down 8th. I like to go through the Diamond District. You love the Diamond District. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, there's no pictures to be taken, but there's this little arcade hallway that goes from like mid Rockefeller Center through to the Diamond District. It's like... Uh, it must be 48th between 5th and 6th. Does it feel like a secret passage to you? Yeah. Mm. Um, not even a secret passage. It's like a. It's like this little old New York wormhole. Yeah. It's like all these little kosher snack bars and like jewelry shops and nobody walks right and it's dark and dingy and there's no smoking but everybody's smoking. Uh, it just feels like. You know, you 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 go from one street to another through a movie. Yeah, uh, and it's a free song of like unflappable, unmistakable New York, where yeah, you're like, New York Ugh. is fuck. Yeah, is and you're like, I it. get to live here. Yeah, totally. What do you tell someone you know who slides up in your DMs and really wants to be the new you? Like, what is the advice you would give? Uh, you gotta go crazy. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go crazy. Crazy has connotations. Yeah, some some problematic connotations. Uh, yeah. But you know, I've I've never looked down my nose at crazy. I lift crazy up. Uh, I think that, like anything, I mean, actually, this is not worth saying out loud, but I'm going to anyway. I just read this thing. Uh, you know, Ray Allen just retired, and Ray Allen was a was on the Bucks for a little bit when I was living in Milwaukee. And as soon as you said a name that I didn't recognize, I was like, I feel like this sports. is sports. And I don't care about sports, but sports makes me cry every time. Sure. Uh, he just retired and he wrote this, I guess it's like a kind of a boilerplate feature that they have on this particular website that I never looked at before. That's a letter to your 13-year-old self. Right. And he just talks about the absolute torture and loneliness and the alienation of friends and family and just like, the the lonely path to inner meaning to to your you know to your chosen purpose and i think that if you're like looking behind you to see the expressions on the people who are watching you you're doing it wrong uh you if you want to do something you got to immerse and you've got to forget that you're anything but what you're doing and uh, I don't know. If you're not gonna live it, what's the point? I don't mean that in a in like a motivational speaker kind of way at all. I just think that's an essential truth of of doing something interesting as a human being. Like you have this very small time that is very very confusing. That is you you're bombarded with movie fantasies and expectations and you know, romantic fantasies and, you know, there's, there's every, everything is in your way. And if you can find a way to cut through that and have your own path and, you know, keep your eye on your own thing, no matter what it costs you, then you, you know, like Bill Cunningham, when you drop dead, there's gonna be a whole lot of interesting shit with your name on it. And I don't know if that matters after you're gone, but it, it does give you uh, an examined, lived life, and I'm sure that you know my my little my brother, my next in line of my five siblings, who is 33 and a genius veterinarian and a father of three kids, who's married to his high school girlfriend, would tell 
you know, I, maybe he'd end up with, with the same message on a very different route. You know, there are sacrifices that are problematic. There are things that I'm missing that I'm sure are much more gratifying than what I'm doing. But uh, I don't know. I stumbled into a place that feels essential, that feels like I can't let go of it. You know, maybe that'll change. I don't know. But that's the going crazy part. That's like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's some, it's like the capacity, the human brain's attraction to, to religion, to, to anything, uh, that through deprivation leads to some higher spiritual awareness and experience. So actualization. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, that sounds right. Well, that was beautiful. And I think that. You know, I talk to all these people about their jobs and how, you know, the nouns that they spend time verbing. And yeah, I think that that's ultimately what we all really want. I think it's like the unifi unifying principle for people like us who are intellectually curious and take very, make expensive decisions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't even think it's it's exclusive to any mindset. I think there's just all kinds of paths there's all kinds of paths that lead to this certain place that's in everybody's brain uh whether it's yoga or parenthood or drugs or whatever that you know that quiets the noise of the world so that you can be alive totally well thank you that's our entire show because i think that that perfectly encapsulates like my mission <laughs> good okay bye bye i'm in love with my life.